0: Hello, Wildcats. It's a matter of time when it's a matter of stats. It's a matter of time when it's a matter of facts. It's a matter of time when it's a matter of stats. It's a matter of time when it's a matter of facts. Fair fat cats on time. Still calm, couple bear knocking. Welcome to the jungle. We're only order, chip and chip quarter, number one, the border. Who cares corner? Hey, what's up, cool cats, and welcome back to the cool cats corner for the last time in MBL 21. This is Mason and I want to thank you all so much for joining me again. So first things first, it's been a long tiring season as a lot of you guys have known, gone into the winter season as well, which has been tough competing with all those other amazing Australian winter sports. However, the Wildcats close out the NBL 21 season, failing to score 80 points for the eighth consecutive game for the first time in our franchise history. As we unfortunately stumbled over United in the NBL 21 grand final series. We never led in the fourth quarter of any of these games. Interestingly though, heading into game three, the Wildcats had led for I think 53% of the game time, showing that we were still kicking it and that was extremely evident all throughout the grand final series. I had friends messaging me saying, how in the world are we still within a shot with two minutes remaining after what had seemed like a beatdown for almost the other 37 minutes? But Gleason turned it into that chess match in which he needed to be. The Wildcats were the best team throughout NBL 21, according to the advanced statistics, and it's not hard to see why when Bryce leads the league in scoring. Now, Cotton missing those last four games of the season, I believe it was game 33 onwards, obviously having that huge negative impact on our postseason result, but he's not the only guy missing from, especially when you, and I'm not even talking about this year's squad, when you look back at NBL 20, if you look at the starters from game three against the Sydney Kings, we had Norton, Cotton, Tariko White, Nick K, Miles Plumley. This season, we're rolling with Norton, Blanchfield, Corey Sherville, Mooney, Magnet. That was our starters for Game 3 against Melbourne United NBL 21. As you can see, only one of the players, Norton, is the similarity between those two squads. And even Norton in this game, he only played limited minutes due to his injury. So that was unfortunate as well. That all being said, I don't want to take anything away from Melbourne United. A big congratulations to them for winning the NBL 21 Championship. We had no answer for Mitch McCarron. I'm not so much talking about his scoreboard impact. I'm talking about his effect on the standard of play and how extremely evident he is when he has the ball in his hands. He sets the tone out there for Melbourne United. I know he's coming into free agency, so any team which gets their hands on Mitch McCarron is going to get their hands on a good one. And he showed it this grand final series, but we had no answer for Yudai Barber, especially games two and three. Yudai coming up big in this grand final series, particularly against Todd Blanchfield defensively. And Liam Santamaria had a great breakdown of this on NBL Overtime this past week. He said that what the difference was between Game 1 and Game 2 was the fact that Melbourne United was playing one step off Todd Blanchfield, especially when he was making those curl cuts up the top of the key, that dribble hand off three. So what they did in Game 2 was Udai stuck right on his shoulder. Every time he went to take that dribble handoff, Udai was cutting off that route. Generally, John Mooney or Jesse Wagstaff up there going to hand the ball off to him, which obviously had huge impacts in Games 2 and 3. Blanchfield's effect was minimized, and Barber went down the other end and did his job as well. So that's, uh, that's kudos to them. The Wildcats Academy player Chris Golding was unlucky to miss out on the Finals MVP. It was like the Wildcats were playing Minesweeper with Chris Golding. We tiptoed our way around until we finally took that wrong step. And then bang, Chris Golding explodes and he kills another one of our runs and seems to kill the game off. But he did it time and time again. Unfortunate not to get that grand final MVP. The guy who did get the grand final MVP was Jock Landale and he was phenomenal against us. So hate him all you want. The guy's a competitor and you can, you can really see why he's so sought after in Europe and a deserving grand final MVP. So he came up against his all NBL first team running mate in John Mooney along with Will Magne but I want to focus in on this John Mooney-Jock Landau battle. So over the three games of the series, John Mooney averaged 31 minutes a game, Jock Landau 32. John Mooney 9.7 rebounds, Jock Landau 11, and that included 9.3 defensive rebounds for Landau. John Mooney getting after it on the offensive end with four offensive rebounds a game, which is pretty incredible. They had the exact same amount of assists, 2.7 John Mooney getting the upper hand in steals, they turn the ball over a similar amount throughout the games. Jock Landau obviously a big, big impact inside, 1.7 blocks per game, John Mooney not being that shot blocker with only 0.3 blocks a game, and Jock Landau scoring 15 points, John Mooney 13 points a game. Comparing the two guys, you can see that Jock Landau had a better series, That's no doubt there, but... All this talk that John Mooney was, you know, dominated and you have to send the double to jock, all of this other nonsense which went along with it, I thought John, who is in his first professional contract, did an amazing job coming up against one of Australia's finest big men. And a guy, like I said, who is so highly sought after in Europe, that's big money player. And that shows you the quality we have in John Mooney this year. And another thing that I've seen and I've heard, and and this seems to be the general sentiment amongst Perth Wildcats fans, and that is that Melbourne should have probably blown us out of the water a little bit more than they did. But this is where Trev is a much better coach than Vickerman because he turned this game into a chess match. On the season, the Wildcats averaged 74 possessions a game, which is the slowest of any team in NBL 21. Against Melbourne, we didn't travel too far away from the trend with 75 possessions. And the reason we did this is because the Wildcats needed to go slow. So when you have such a talent mismatch in regards to the squad and in regards to your current injuries, and I know Jack White is injured for Melbourne United, not taking anything away from that, But when you have so many injuries on a 15-man roster, which includes development players, when you take multiple pieces out, it has a massive, massive impact on the entire team. So you have to slow it down, and that's exactly what Gleason did. And the reason he does this is because when you slow it down, you rely on fundamentals, and you limit the potential for big blowout games. Think about it. The longer the game runs, the more possessions there are, if you think about it in that sense, the greater the talent mismatch will be evident when you look at the final score. The more opportunities you give to the team which has more talent than the other team, the more likely they are to score. So that's why Trevor Gleason suffocates the games, squeezes it out of all its possessions, and plays fundamental basketball. And that is Wildcats basketball. You chase offensive rebounds, you don't turn the ball over, and you shoot efficiently by getting to the free throw line. Though it would be unfair to contribute pace to the entire reason the Wildcats kept it close. A big reason they kept it close was thanks to Kevin White at Backup Point Guard. What an incredible postseason by Kevin White. I've touched on it the past few podcasts. He's faced some rough comments from the NBL and the Red Army as well throughout NBL 21, but steps up huge in this postseason. Game 1, 20 minutes, 10 points. Game 2, 28 minutes, 12 points. Game 3, 31 minutes, 14 points. The guy scored in double digits three games in a row, playing big minutes in important games. If Kev White's not a Wildcat next year, I'll be a bit disappointed because I think that we found a good one in Kev, especially a guy who can play to this system. And when he knocks down the three ball, how he's been doing it, so two of five, four of six, three of seven, that's very serviceable. That's very good in this league. And if you can have a reliable guy out there playing hard defense, knocking down open threes, taking some time off Norto while he gets some rest on the bench, all the better. So I hope we go after Kev White in this offseason. And talking about this offseason, it's probably beneficial to have a look who's going to be on this NBL 22 Wildcats roster. So as of right now, we have four contracted players. Those being Bryce Cotton, who obviously signed a three-year deal at the start of NBL 21. So we have him for NBL 22 and NBL 23. We have Luke Travers, who did the same. Todd Blanchfield signed on at the start of NBL 21 for two years. So we have him for next year. And there's a mutual option on Wani Swakalu bullock this year. And I feel that Wani played some really good minutes in this final series. So I hope we pick up that option and we continue to roll with Wani. But four contracted players leaves 11 uncontracted players, and you guys already know who they are, so if they weren't those four guys listed, Bryce, Luke, Todd, wani the rest are uncontracted. And what I'll do right now is go through the list of uncontracted Wildcats and just give this Cool Cat's opinion about what we should probably do with them next season. So the first guy on top of the list, he should be, he has to be, his second all-time games played for the Wildcats this season. A huge, huge shout out to our guy Jesse Wagstaff, our captain, I thought he had an amazing season. And if anyone is saying that David Anderson can go around again, Jesse can definitely go around again. Wagstaff played 20 minutes per game this year. 20 minutes. For comparison, his last two seasons, NBL 19 and NBL 20, he played 15 minutes a game. And that was on seven less games than this season. This season, he played 41 games. And 41 games prior to this season was the most a team had played in the NBL in its entire existence. 41 games being played by the Western Sydney Razorbacks in 2004. And this year, obviously, the Wildcats and Melbourne breaking it with 42 games with that game three. And a quick shout out has to go to John Moon, who played in every single one of those games, breaking the record for most games played in a season. So along with his NBL double-double record, he can hold that record as well. But I got a bit sidetracked there. So back to Wag stuff. And the man took one game off. And if he looked tired, that may have been a reason why. But the rest of his game, I felt, didn't show that. Jesse, in fact, shot his free throws at a career best rate of 89% this year and increased his other statistics incrementally by the amount his minutes were increased. So, casuals who say he can't go around again, I I beg to differ. I'd love to have Jesse go around one more time, for sure. Secondly, Clint Steindl, and I think Steindl is a priority signing. The threat of having Clint Steindl run around Trevor Gleeson's flex offense is too much to pass up. Clint's going to have a couple more years in his prime, and I think his prime would best be played in Perth. A six, 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 seven three-point shooter who's at the best of times will knock down every other shot he did have a bit of a rough year to start it this year but clawed it back slowly slowly i put up a cool cats article out there demonstrating clint's shooting struggles as well as assuring you cool cats that clint would find his shooting stroke at the end of the day which is what he has done so i think clint stein was also a priority mitch norton obviously if mitch wants to sign on and he does sign on for let's say three years that's our future captain jesse wagstaff goes one more year Mitch Norton picks up the year after, and we keep rolling with that continuity. There has been some talks of Mitch potentially going to Tasmania to kick off that Jack Jumpers franchise, so hopefully, fingers crossed, we can hold on to Mitch because he's a real one. The way he fought through this entire final series, I don't need to say anything because it's it was evident, and you guys saw it night in, night out. The minutes he puts on the court are 100%, 110%. It's Damian Martin basketball, baby, and we've got to roll with that, so keep him around. Kevin White. I just gave Kevin White a big rap and and I'm hoping that we do hold on to him as that backup point guard role. Let's look at the bigs now and John Mooney, I believe he's NBA bound. I believe so. I have no reason to think that. I've been told nothing by anyone, though purely because he had an interrupted college year. I don't think scouts got to see the complete look of John Mooney and he's not that flashy player who's going to stand out in a short season. Mooney being the type of guy who builds his portfolio over the entire year. And now that they have seen more of that portfolio, I think he gets a couple of chances. I think the name John Mooney slides into a couple of NBA teams, DMs, or at the very least, I think he tries his luck in Europe because there's some serious money over there. But as the season progressed, he did start looking like that high-level NBL import, and maybe he has found his niche here. So, you know, it's it's tricky to say, but after that truncated college season, I think he has at least earned a spot at trying the NBA. I think if that's fair to say, if not, I'd love to have John back next year because I think he's loved being here. I think the fans have loved him being here. There hasn't been an NBL import, which has been accepted with more open arms by the Wildcats fans since Bryce Cotton. And I think that says a lot. So great having John Mooney on the side, his front court partner, Will Magne. I think we should try to re-sign him instantly. I think Will Magne still got a lot to offer. I'm not sure exactly what his plans are, what his agent's plans are. Obviously, Perth was just a stopover spot and he was hoping to get that title, At the end of the day, that didn't pan out, but I don't think the Wildcats can go turn their nose up at really good young Australian bigs. If Will is willing to stay, you sign him. Now, I think he has some surgery planned. I know he pushed back that surgery to play in this NBL 21 finals. So it's dependent on when he gets back from that surgery because there's going to be a short turnover between NBL 21, NBL 22. This offseason is going to be tiny. So a lot of those things play a factor into whether we re-sign Will. But on pure face value, I would re-sign Will in a heartbeat. If you have a different opinion, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to chat it out. It would be an interesting convo, so drop me a DM. Now, these two guys came in from the uh, depths of despair and played extremely serviceably in NBL 21, and that is Jared Bairstow and Tom Jervis. Now, Jared Bairstow, I believe, has a medical engineering degree or is studying for a medical engineering degree and was pretty much hanging the boots up for, for the basketball, I believe. So I'm not sure what his future holds, but... For this year, he's been extremely serviceable. And Tommy Jervis, I thought, retired a couple of years back. So to have him back out of retirement and get one last look of Tommy and to have his antics around the team in NBL 21 has been fantastic. And I have really enjoyed it. But neither of those two guys, I think, would be seeing the squad next year, if I was to guess. And our three development players being Taylor Brick, Corey Sherville, Andrew Ferguson. Of the three, Corey Sherville having the biggest impact. I think he gets another contract next year, another DP contract at least. Taylor Britt will probably go back and kill the New Zealand NBL again and win himself another contract. I'm I'm not too sure, but he seems to kill it in that competition every single offseason. And Andrew Ferguson, I'm not sure what happens there. He's a young, talented, seven-foot big, and, and on a team in which we lack bigs, it's always good having a couple more around. That being said, we did lack bigs this year, and he didn't see a lot of court time. It was his first season signed as a DP, so that's why I'm not too sure exactly which way the Wildcats go here. But with all that said, how does that leave the roster looking next year? So once again, roster construction is going to be hinged on Bryce's citizenship status. As we've heard time and time again, talking about flogging a dead horse, Bryce will become a citizen, we can sign an import, take his place, and this roster is going to look incredible. We're going to life hack the entire thing. Well, that's all well and good pending that citizenship approval. Until that point, I've discussed this with some cool cats out there. It completely hinders what we're able to do with our roster construction due to that unknown component of time. The longer the time goes with citizenship pending, the harder it is for Gleason and the Wildcats to lock in and decide exactly how they want this roster looking for next season. And one thing we know about Gleason is he hates leaving things to chance. So I'm sick about speculating on it all. Instead, this season, I'm going to consider Bryson import. And this is how I think the team would be shaping up next year. Our two import spots, considering no third import. And that's another thing. There's been no indication by the NBL what the roster construction is allowed to look like. So we're going to assume two imports again. Two imports, we go back around with Cotton and Mooney. NBL first teamers, I'm happy with that. Blanchfield will join them in the starting lineup in his second year of his contract. In his final years, he's going to be playing for more money. Expect a big year from Todd Blanchfield next year. We have Travers building into a bigger role. Wani, I think we pick up his option. Norton, Steindl, White, Wagstaff, Magne. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So nine. So that's nine out of the 11 fully contracted players already signed to our lineup in my hypothetical situation here. And I think that team goes around again and is phenomenal. I think our DPs, Sherville and Ferguson, I'm not sure about the other guys. I think as per usual and as is Wildcats way, we'll add some new talent there as well. But the reason I've kept the lineup fundamentally the same is because this team won the NBL Cup. This team, when healthy, was the best offensive team in the NBL. The third best defensive team is coached by the NBL 21 Coach of the Year and has a three-time NBL MVP. If injuries hadn't derailed this season, the Wildcats could easily be standing their champions this year. We could easily have that 3P. Unfortunately, unlike in the past where Lady Luck has been in our favor, she really wasn't for the back end of this season. On those final two roster positions, though, I will say we should target some wing position players. Because the more length, the more you can switch. We saw with Melbourne United, the better you can be defensively. You can see that in the modern game these days. If you can play one to four and then knock down shots down the other end and hold the opponent accountable, you are as good as gold in this league. Oh, that sounded a bit too much like golding. So I think we cotton on to the free agents this year and I think we find the pieces which we need to really shake up Melbourne United next year because that team and their CEO of the year and their GM of the year and their franchise of the year that they want to award themselves, they're going to come out hot and ready to defend the championship in NBL 22. It's a little bit more tricky being the hunted. They tried it in NBL 19. We ran them down. Let's see if we can do it again in NBL 22. But a phenomenal season. I've enjoyed every single little bit of Perth Wildcats that I've got to watch this year. I've enjoyed engaging with all the Cool Cats out there. Subscribe and make sure you continue to follow along the Cool Cats socials because this off-season I'm going to be releasing a few little podcasts. I'm going to try, fingers crossed, get a couple of players on the pod. That'd be pretty exciting, right? But hit that subscribe button and I guess we'll find out together. It's been one hell of a season, Cool Cats. Thank you so much for joining me this year. If it was just for this episode, if it's been for the entire time, you guys are truly superstars, and I I really do enjoy bringing Perth Wildcats basketball to you guys. So for one final time, peace and love from the Cool Cats Corner. This is Mason. Catch you for NBL 22.